Could three lawsuits in California be the variations on climate change lawsuits that turn them from unsuccessful to litigation like the public nuisance suits that turned into the multi-billion dollar tobacco litigation? No case has held a company liable for the effects of climate change, but these cases are slightly different. The California counties of San Mateo and Marin and the city of Imperial Beach have sued dozens of major oil, natural gas and coal companies, including Chevron and ExxonMobil, over rising sea levels from climate change. They claim the companies have concealed the dangers of their carbon emissions and they want to hold them accountable for the billions of dollars in damages to homes, businesses, and the disappearing coastline. Joining me is Brandon Barnes, Senior Litigation Analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence in our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington, D.C. Brandon, the suits are under the legal doctrine of public nuisance under California common law. Tell us more about that. Well, it's basically, uh, it, and this is something that's been tried before in similar case involving a, a Alaskan island uh, community, Kivalina. And uh, essentially, it's, it's an allegation that the companies here have violated some sort of public right to uh, not be bothered by something like, in this case, having the erosion happen or the sea level rise and the concomitant amount of money that they have to spend to deal with that issue. Now, what will be the biggest hurdle in these lawsuits? Well, I think that, and this is common for all of these these climate change lawsuits, and we've had a number of them since probably back, dating back as far as 2005, where the allegations range from you know, you caused Hurricane Katrina to be far more severe than it was. You're causing uh, emissions that are uh, going to lead to health issues. Or here, there's sea level rise, which is going to lead to property destruction and diminution in value. The core issue that, uh, aside from just standing in federal court, is going to be causation. And causation is basically you have to prove to the courts to a level of legal certainty that these companies individually – have contributed to climate change, which then contributed to sea level rise, which then contributed at some ascertainable level to the damage that was caused. Could these lawsuits get by with advances in climate science and the fact that the rising sea level is a little more easily measured and linked to a warming planet? Well, I think that that's helpful to the plaintiff's case, certainly. We've never gotten to the point where the court has had to measure where that certainty needs to be, but it still has to get over that hurdle, which links each one of the companies in a certain knowable amount of contribution to the climate change. So this is different from some of the other lawsuits like the Alaskan island you were mentioning because it's in state court. And so... We don't have the federal court and the EPA involved. Will that help? Uh, Vic Scher, who's who's the lead plaintiff's attorney on this case, is no stranger to trying different things to to get at these tort cases, which is uh, he's been around a long time doing this. And this is another effort to try and tweak the strategy because they're not dealing with uh, the same standing rules that you have in federal courts, which is Article Three standing. And that's what was uh, fatal in part to the Kivalina case and has been really tough to get over when you're trying to do this on a federal level because they're, they're dealing with the fact that these are political questions or the courts would rather deal with this on 
let the let Congress deal with it as the more appropriate branch of the government. So in that sense, moving to the state where it's a different standing analysis, it, it is definitely a beneficial move, and it's a smart move. So, Brandon, the tobacco litigation went through so many variations before it became what it was. Is our climate change lawsuits possibly going to be like that, going through variation after variation until they find a formula? I, I would bet on it, yes, because there's such a possibility of a home run for the attorneys here, which, you know, not that they're driving this for money or anything, but um, they certainly have a vested interest in getting big judgments, and they need to do that using tort law because that's, that's their best way to leverage um, the facts here. And that's going to potentially garner their largest largest win. But to do that, they're really going to need to try a number of different ways to get at this. And this is just another iteration. In 2015, investigations by the Los Angeles Times and Inside Climate News reported that ExxonMobil was aware of climate science for decades, but continued to fund public misinformation campaigns, which, of course, Exxon denies. And ExxonMobil is fighting the AGs in New York and Massachusetts uh, connected to this. Explain what's happening in those states. Well, that's a great question, Jim, because um, what's happening there with New York and Massachusetts AGs and as a result of some of these investigations is there's an allegation that the companies like Exxon have defrauded the public. And in the New York and Massachusetts cases, the what the, the hook is there is they've, they've not told investors of the risks and therefore will have to change their reporting, their SEC filings. And so it's really become a financial disclosure case. And that's sort of the similar issue that's been identified in this case here is it's a disclosure issue. And that brings in fraud and other claims of action that legally, uh, you know, might get you a little past that first motion to dismiss stage, might get you into being able to do discovery, which is a, is a tough place for these companies to go. Let's talk a little bit more about that, because in your litigation watch on this, you talk about how even if they don't get through to the end of the suit, they will get through discovery, which could reveal what? Well, that's let's circle all the way back to the tobacco cases. This is the various iterations of these cases they go through. Once one of them gets past that initial hurdle of the motion to dismiss stage, which is that first motion, they'll be able to get into the information discovery stage, which is where you can get sworn testimony, you can get internal documents, and you can get um, answers to questions under oath. And so that will provide them potentially with the next basis for their lawsuit and, and maybe the next factual uh, underpinning for whatever the next claim may be. So if this one fails, maybe that's just the next step. In about 30 seconds, Brandon, what's the likelihood of settlement? Settlement here is pretty unlikely, I think, uh, given the claims are so big and against so many different parties. You may see piecemeal settlement here or there, but the danger for the companies is that they're establishing their own precedent with these attorneys, is that they're willing to settle these claims when they're brought like this. All right. We'll check back with you when there's a new development in this. That's Brandon Barnes, Senior Litigation Analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. And to read more about Brandon's analysis, you can go to BIGO on the Bloomberg Terminal.